Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland presents Ignite Her Podcast, a podcast connecting you to a community of empowered women. Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland is a nonprofit focused on providing meaningful mentorship for youth. We acknowledge that Big Sisters operates on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations, as well as the Semiamu First Nation, Katsi, and Kwantlen First Nation. We believe in and support the right and ability of Indigenous people to practice self-determination over their rightful land, cultures, and political and economic systems. Today's guest is Robin Petrick. Robin is a poet, writer, and digital artist living in the Lower Mainland. Throughout her life, She's always been drawn to creative hobbies and driven by a desire to make things that leave an impact, no matter how slight. Robin's goal is for others to relate to her writing and be reminded that they're not alone in whatever they're going through. She is currently putting together her first collection of poetry for self-publishing. Reading books and playing outside are the ways that Robin refills her creative tank. She loves the outdoors and finds inspiration when hiking, backpacking, and climbing. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ignite Her podcast brought to you by Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland. Uh, This is Vanessa. We've got Angie here and our special guest this month, Robin. Robin, how are you doing? I am doing good. I am very excited to be chatting with you both today and looking forward to our conversation together. Awesome. And this is take two for us. We tried to record last week and had a myriad of technical issues, including internet connection, power outages. So we are ready to rock today. Yeah, no storms. So we should be fine, hopefully. So Robin, thanks for coming. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, why you're so cool, all that kind of stuff? And then we'll get into the chat. Absolutely. So my name is Robin, and uh, I am a writer and uh, a little bit of a digital artist, uh, but mostly uh, a poet. Uh, I also really love all kinds of outdoor adventures, hiking, backpacking, um, rock climbing. I was born here in Vancouver and kind of raised in the Lower Mainland, so I've spent most of my life here. uh, And I think that shows with a very, like, traditional Pacific Northwest kind of attitude. I love getting outside as much as possible. And I love um, being creative and kind of seeing how those two come together. When you say digital artist, can you tell us what that means exactly? Yeah, uh, I have dabbled a little bit in the past uh, with digital artwork that I do on my iPad. So I have an iPad Pro and you know, you have your stylus. uh, And I just put together some paintings and I will pair some of my poetry and kind of inspirational sayings uh, with that. So I do that here and there. It's definitely not one of my main things, but one of my many kind of creative outlets. That's so awesome. I may have a copy in this room with me right now. So those are awesome. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Vanessa. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so talking about creativity I would love to know you know how did this first show up in your life so when you're younger what first sparked your creativity I'm not sure that I can pinpoint what necessarily sparked it it feels like creativity has always been there or been a part of me or who I am Uh, but I can definitely say that one of the first creative hobbies that I had was making friendship bracelets. So, you know, those like traditional friendship bracelets you make at camp or in middle school. Um, I was 
six years old, I think, when I discovered those and absolutely fell in love with them to the point that I made, you know, probably a couple of dozen. Uh, and I took them and I taped them onto the front of uh, one of those like plastic art easels you have when you're a kid. And I took that art easel and all my friendship bracelets out to the front of my house on the street. Uh, and I made a little sign that said, you know, friendship bracelets for sale. 10 cents each. <laughs> and I tried selling them in front of my house at six years old. Such a creative endeavor and um, an entrepreneurial spirit at six years old, right? Like that's that's really cool. So what, what else did you do? So friendship bracelets, of course, like that is like almost a rite of passage, I feel like growing up, <laughs> making them and figuring out how to do that. Um, so what other creative activities did you get into as you were growing up? As I grew up, uh, it turned into scrunchies. I made hair scrunchies and sewed those by hand. Uh, and then I did try and sell those to classmates as well. I think that would have been probably about grade six or grade seven. Uh, and then as I grew older, um, writing became a big part of my life in um, early high school. And then um, as an adult, I've also dabbled in um book finding, uh, making and decorating cakes and cupcakes and um, kind of playing with fondant. And that led into even doing a few uh, wedding cakes as well for friends or people that I knew. So creativity has always kind of manifested or showed itself in some way in my life. Um, although it is writing that seems to be the thing that I, I always go back to and it's been the most consistent. Yeah. Did you write a lot in high school? Like was, did you really enjoy English class and did you get to do creative writing there? I did. Yes. Um, it started when I was in grade eight. Um, and my, the first poem quote unquote that I wrote, I actually remember I wrote about feeling like an outcast in my school. I was kind of the loner, the person who didn't have friends. Uh, and I remember writing in this poem, something about being on the outside and looking in, which I think is something a lot of us can relate to, unfortunately, at some point in life. Um, and that kind of spurred writing to express myself almost in a journaling sense. Um, but it did pair with like absolutely loving English class and um, reading the different books and going through different writing assignments. Um, I absolutely love that throughout school. Did you have like a teacher that sort of sparked that in you or that stood out to you as someone who really like championed you to explore your writing? I did, fortunately. Uh, in grade 12, uh, I had a teacher, Mrs. O'Donnell, who uh, was our creative writing teacher. That was the course I was taking. And um, she did such a great job. I'm sure almost everyone in her class would say the same thing, but she did such a great job at seeing the talent that I had and encouraging it uh, so much that when I was struggling with home life and really stressed out about a bad family situation and was facing just a huge writer's walk and I was not turning assignments in on time, she really persisted with me and kind of walked me through that and showed so much patience and encouragement um, and allowed me to make up marks. And some of the, the positive comments that she wrote on my homework, I still have to this day and absolutely cherish. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so amazing how impactful teachers can be in both directions. Like you have a bad teacher, you're like, oh, I hate science. And it might be just because you didn't like your teacher. But if you have a teacher that like, definitely sees your potential and is willing to like take that time to work on you, it can like, like be totally life changing because who knew 
or who could have known what might have happened if you'd gotten like not a super great teacher, you might not have been as like impassioned. So it's really lucky when when kids get that. Absolutely. And I, I do. I feel so lucky to have her have that encouragement from her. And she wrote one of the comments that she wrote, I actually do still remember it was, you know, a couple sentences about the assignment and then ended with whatever you do, wherever you go, keep writing. And that's always kind of stayed in the back of my mind. And she probably doesn't remember writing that, but it has had so much impact on me. For sure. Because that's, it's something that you do a lot as a kid, like just independently, you're like, I'm going to write a story, I'm going to write a poem. But then it does kind of fizzle out as you get older, because maybe it's like seen as not as cool, even though it is super cool. And it's a great outlet. How did you keep that creativity alive? I mean, admittedly, it does come in waves sometimes. Um, it can ebb and flow just depending on what else is going on in my life and um, even how my mental health my mental health is doing. Uh, that can affect the creativity output as well. I think I always tie back to the fact that I want to leave something in the world or I want to have an impact no matter how small. If I can write a six-line poem that help someone relate to something they're going through or remind them that they're not alone in what they're feeling. That's kind of the motivation for me to, to keep turning back to it. For sure. So you know, like the impact of your work, right? Like it's it's getting out there, it's sharing. And, you know, what, what you mentioned before, the poem that you wrote in grade eight, like I'm sure that, you know, if, if it was shared, there'd be so many teens out there who are like, oh, I could super relate to that. It's so nice to hear that I'm not the only person that feels that way. I'm not alone. Um, and try and find community that way, which is, I think, really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of my biggest, I think, goals with writing and I guess goals with sharing that writing and putting my work out there is just wanting people to be able to read something, you know, very quickly, usually my poems are quite short, but to be able to have a quick read and think, ah, yes, I get that, or I'm not the only one, or maybe it's the flip side where they feel really inspired and um, they feel something really positive from that. Uh, just to have that sort of brief impact on someone um, is such an honor and definitely the idea that keeps me going. And do you feel like you're creative outlet so whatever you're making or writing or is that like a form of your own self-care like do you feel that refuels your tank yes it is definitely something that helps my mental health and helps re refuel me um i've definitely had moments where for maybe a couple weeks at a time or even a few weeks at a time i feel really frazzled or my mind feels very full and like I'm trying to think about too many things and worry about too many things and then I'll finally sit down and have a writing session and I mean not whatever is coming out isn't necessarily great it could be absolutely terrible and never to be seen by the world but the act of kind of emptying my head out on the paper almost instantly I'm like oh I feel so much better. I feel so much lighter now. Did you have that experience when you were a kid as well? Like when you mentioned sort of going through hard times, was that mm. sort of the impetus of it? If it's like getting it all out there and clearing your head kind of thing? I don't think I realized it when I was a kid. Uh, but I think, yeah, definitely, because I would write about, you know, things that were going on at home or things that maybe I was struggling with in friendships um, or, you know, any of the romantic relationships and that sort of a thing. Um, those struggles would come out on paper. So I think it was a form of not just expression, but yeah, that kind of mental health relief. Yeah, I can I can relate to that so much too, because I know that 
what refuels me because I'm such an introvert, right? And I, I talk to people a lot and I do stuff which I love, but it takes away so much of my energy. And I find that, you know, what refuels that for me is being creative and um, whether it's like painting, if it's a paint by numbers or like following something on Pinterest because I do like instructions and, and stuff like that. It's it's really nice. But at the same time, it's so hard to find the time or make the time, right? I find that for me, it's like the lowest priority. But anytime I get around to doing something, I'm like, oh, this is the best. I should do this every single day. I, see, I feel so amazing. So I, I think, yeah, it's hard for adults to find the time or the space to to be creative. I think it's important. And in terms of create creativity, why do you think that's that's such an important aspect to bring out of of adults? I think creativity is something that comes so naturally to kids. Um, if you have kids or you still work with kids, you kind of you see them and they just they play all the time and they imagine things and they want to sit down and color and they want to build things and it's just such a natural part of their expression and yet something happens as we transition from children into our teenage years and into adults we really kind of lose that sense of creativity and i think some of it comes from you know peer pressure and feeling scared of judgment and insecurities and then suddenly as day by day unfolds that natural sense of creativity is just kind of lost unless, like you said, Vanessa, unless you really try to bring it forward and make the time to make it a priority, which in a full adult life these days is so difficult. (laughs) Yeah, there's something about teenagehood where you either stick with it and then it's a thing that you end up doing for life. This is what I've read anyway. Mm -hmm. Or you drop it and then it's maybe something you'll pick up in your adulthood, but not necessarily. Um, And I think that's also part of like these programs in terms of like getting mentors hooked up with youth and like the Go Girls program that we have and everything is just to sort of like push them over and just be like, no, keep going with who you are and what you want to do because this creativity and this thing that you have is going to serve you later in life so well. And you can see it too, like kids just sort of get overwhelmed, I think, with perfectionism or not wanting to be weird, not wanting to be a weird kid. And maybe they're like, oh, well, this thing that I like, like making friendship bracelets or like knitting, like you knit, that's for grandmas or whatever. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to knit anymore, you know, even though it's like, knitting's so cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I guess I, fortunately, like, some of these things are becoming cool again, like knitting and crocheting have that cool factor that have come back. And it's, it's too bad that we can't just make all of that cool by default. <laughs> Do you struggle with like perfectionism? Oh, man, absolutely. I could agonize over one poem for days and days and days and try to rework it and, um, you know, move a comma from here to here, or should I change this word and dig through a thesaurus for an hour to find the right word? Um, So perfectionism definitely is a struggle. And I've had to kind of train myself to just say, nope, you're done with this poem, or you're done with this digital painting, you just have to go put it out in the world now. Uh, and that always, like anytime you hit the share button or the publish button, there's always that little sense of fear and like, ah, what are people going to think? <laughs> and then especially if you're 
putting it on social media where you're like, how many likes is it going to get? Or is it not going to get any likes? Or it's so it can be nerve wracking for sure when you're putting your stuff out there. But I think trying to find that place of knowing like I did my best. This is what I like. It actually doesn't matter at the end of the day if everyone else likes it. But for me, it was a good process. And that's like a good reminder, I think, for people who are being creative and to like bring back your creativity to be like, I'm not doing this to be perfect or to come up with this like Picasso or Michelangelo painting. It's just like, I'm going to do it because it makes me feel better. Absolutely. That's part of creativity for me is that I just kind of, I have to do it. Like I feel compelled to do it. And Social media, well, I mean, that's a whole conversation on its own, the pros and cons of social media and sharing your work there. It is nice and it is affirming to, you know, get a bunch of likes or see that someone saved your your poem as a post um, to get comments and messages that someone resonated with what you posted. It is also remembering at the day, like you said, Angie, that it doesn't matter if other people like it. I like it or I enjoy the process and I'm happy with what I get to put out there. It's so tough, right? And I think it's it's a good reminder to think about like how you would talk or react if it was a friend, right? Like going mm-hmm. through the same thing because it's so much harder when it's yourself and you're so much more like critical and perfectionist and it's, it's so hard to get over um, these aspects where it's like, you know, I, I find this is the benefit of working with, with youth because I just picture – a youth going through the same thing I'm going through and like, what would I tell them? Right. Like what encouraging uh, messages or what have you, would I tell them or what, you know, what would be important for them at the end of the day? And I just like reflect that back on myself. And I find that I'm way easier on myself when I think about it, like through the lens of a, a kid or a youth, right. It's easier to, to deal with the negativity that's going on in your head, but it's, it's fantastic. You've been you've been brave. You you know you click uh, post or send or whatever that every single time. So that's that's awesome. And it's, I'm sure it's uh it's nerve wracking every time you do it, right? Definitely a little bit. But um, then every comment is it is that little bit of reaffirmation of oh okay someone else did like this or someone someone saw what I was someone understood the message that I was trying to put out there. Uh, and that's always a wonderful feeling. So have you had mentors in your like artistic life aside from like your teacher, but in terms of mm-hmm. your creativity? Uh, I haven't actually had any mentors. The closest that I would say would be would have been that English teacher, Mrs. O'Donnell. But I've never sought out or I've never found kind of the right person to partner with. That being said, there are, definitely are people that I follow, um, whether it's writers or artists. Uh, and I kind of will, I'll look up to their work or even just see how they're approaching their work or how they're sharing their work and take a little bit of inspiration from what they do. Sometimes I'll look and think, oh, yeah, that is maybe a way that I want to share my work or that's maybe what I want my writing to sound like when it grows up kind of an idea. <laughs> and For so sure. what obstacles have you faced in terms of getting your stuff out there? I think something that we've already touched on a little bit actually is time, having the time to sit down and be creative. Um, I do have like a full-time nine-to-five job as well as a kind of part-time for fun job. Um, So when you pair that with social activity, now that we can kind of socialize in the pandemic again, everything in life takes up a lot of my schedule. So it can be really difficult to sit down and have the time 
to say, I'm going to have a dedicated two hour writing and editing session. Um, I don't necessarily get those windows. So I've had to sometimes shift and think about my priorities in order to prioritize creativity and prioritize writing or the projects that I'm working on. Another thing that I've had to do as well is almost try to train myself to write under any kind of circumstance. So one of my favorite ways to write is to go to a really cute coffee shop, get myself a nice latte, have two or three hours blocked out, um, and just be able to kind of focus on one thing. But that opportunity doesn't come up very often. So I've had to try to train myself like, okay, you've got 10 minutes here in between appointments, write something on your phone while you're sitting in your car kind of a thing. Um, trying to train myself to take advantage of every opportunity that comes along and not just wait for the perfect atmosphere, the perfect moment. I love that. That's like a good life hack right there. It's like you, if you can't carve out a huge window of time, just fit it in in weird places and challenge yourself to see if you can get it done. <laughs> yeah, it leads to some interesting situations like I've I've taken out my phone while my car's been in park waiting for a train to finish crossing the road kind of a thing. <laughs> and I see that one of your upcoming things is uh, self-publishing your first collection of poetry. So tell us more about that. Yeah, one of my um, big life goals has always been to have a book of poetry published. To be published traditionally would be absolutely wonderful. I think that's a lot of people's kind of big dreams when they're, when they're in the writing world. But of course, with self-publishing becoming so much more of an inaccessible option, that's the route that I've kind of chosen so that I can take a little bit more control and make sure that this goal does get to happen. For about, I guess, about a year and a half now, I've been working on my first self-published book. The timing of the pandemic was great because when we were, you know, locked at home for two weeks, uh, two months, sorry, uh, I really took advantage of that time that I had all of a sudden and put together my first manuscript. Uh, and that was a whole process of sifting through poems that I'd written, finding a theme, um, choosing poems that would fit in that theme, and then kind of like a whole puzzle piece of rearranging poems into different sections and figuring out the flow uh, and kind of, yeah, creating that book from start to finish. Uh, and now I'm working on all the steps that come after that, which I have since discovered feels much harder than writing the book itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, what is involved in self-publishing? Like, how do you even do that? Uh, there's a few different ways to go about it. Uh, the the method that I've looked at the most is kind of the most common self-publishing method, which would be going through Amazon uh, and the Amazon KDP program, where they kind of walk you through how you have to format your book and then you have to um, you know, write things like your back cover description and your Amazon listing description. And um, you also have to piece together, you know, a cover and any illustrations that you might want to go in the book as well, down to nitty gritty details of like choosing your font and your font size and what is the margin space going to be between the edge of the page and the start of your text and um, what is the spine of your book going to look like. And it's it's very overwhelming, which is why it's maybe taking me longer than I would like to get through it. <laughs> well, good for you. That sounds like it's definitely going to be worth it in the end. 
Is there a, a anticipated release date yet, or what are you thinking? Uh, there is not an anticipated release date officially yet, but uh, sometime in 2022 is my goal. Um, I would like to think summer or fall, but that is incredibly loose. Please don't hold me to that. <laughs> I'm checking in with you, Robin. I'm going to set it in my calendar. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe that's good. Maybe the the follow up is is the motivation I need to actually get it done. <laughs> so I saw on Instagram that you were doing some rock climbing because I followed you. Um, so you you're a very adventurous, outdoorsy person. Do you want to tell us about some of your outdoor adventures? Yeah, absolutely. The um, the rock climbing itself is more of a newer hobby or sport in my life. I have been climbing for about two years now uh, and it started with um, indoor bouldering. So that's when you don't have the rope or the harness, you're just climbing up kind of the shorter 15 foot walls. Uh, and that's usually the most kind of accessible place to start climbing. So I started with bouldering, uh, absolutely fell in love with both the sport but also the community as well. There are so many good people and it is really easy when you're hanging out at a gym to get to know other people. Uh, and once I started bouldering and got hooked on that with the community, it just kind of steamrolled into all the other types of climbing as well. So um, that also turned into top roping, which is when you have the harness and the rope, uh, which then leads to lead climbing, which is where you're placing the rope yourself as you go. Uh, and we'll see where else that takes me in the in the next year or so. <laughs> oh, that is impressive. I went bouldering one time and I think for an hour and my arms were like dead afterwards. I could not lift them. And I think it it looks easier than it is. Or, you know, I, I looked at it and went, oh, yeah, I could get up there. No problem. And my first go, I go up like a meter or two. And I'm like, oh, no, I need to get down now. This is, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah, you kind of think, I think you think of bouldering as like just climbing up some different rocks or holes. Uh, but if you get into it, there does end up actually being a lot of technique and skill and things that you have to learn. And um, even two years in, I'm a very average boulderer so far. <laughs> awesome. So what, what other um, adventures do you do on the outdoors? You, I think you like hiking too. I do. Hiking is my first love uh, when it comes to the outdoor world. So for probably about five or six years now, I have been really into day hiking. So just anywhere from, you know, a two hour to a 10 hour hike over the day. Uh, but then this year, uh, I started getting into backpacking, so doing multi-day trips, um, carrying everything you need, your tent, your food, your sleeping bag, um, and just going to different campsites and staying for a night or two. And it is it has been absolutely incredible. Um, it's such a great way for me to get outside, um, to also clear my head, that mental health side of things. And I wasn't expecting this, but it ended up also being a great way to meet people and find a community of like-minded people. I also want to say, maybe I'm wrong. Did you climb Everest? <laughs> why, am I, <laughs> I, why do I think I, that? You're, you're, you're not wrong. I, I didn't summit Everest, but I did do the trek to Everest Base Camp. Uh, back yeah, in Base Camp. Yeah, okay. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I went to Everest Base Camp, and that that was another bucket list item that had been on my mind for years. 
actually, it all kind of ties back because back in English class in grade 11, uh, I read the book Into Thin Air, which is a common curriculum title. Uh, I read Into Thin Air and ever since was absolutely obsessed with Everest. Uh, so I finally got to go in 2019 and made the trek up there. And it was, it was incredible. The beauty of the Himalayan mountains is absolutely indescribable. <laughs> How does that kind of stuff like help you with your writing and your art and stuff? Yeah. One of the big ones is the mental health, you know, being outside, getting active keeps me healthy mentally and kind of keeps that creative side of me flowing. I will get some inspiration from being outside as well. Um, it really motivates me to write more, create more. And I have definitely brought, you know, notebooks up to summits or on day hikes with me. And I'll sit at the viewpoint or at the top of the mountain and I'll write a few pages. Um, I've also been known to come up with an idea while hiking and I'll just come to like a dead stop in the middle of the trail, suddenly whip out my phone because it's the easiest thing that I have. And I'll start writing down a poem on the side of the trail on my phone. Um, and then I look like that person who's like sending a text message or something while I'm outside. But <laughs> what is she doing? Look at her phone. It's so beautiful here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, no, I'm being creative. I promise. <laughs> Did you write when you went to base camp? On Everest? I did, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of physical exertion, so I didn't necessarily have a ton of energy. There was a lot of, you know, falling asleep early. Uh, but the trip to Everest is actually when I started, anytime I write now, jot down the location of where I am, whether it's a different city or just, you know, the particular Starbucks that I'm at, because it's been really interesting to see what I've written and where I've written it. So when I was in Everest, I would kind of label like each town that we stopped through. If I wrote, I'd write down that, you know, I was in that particular town and just kind of tie it all together, which has been really interesting to look back on. It's great to have that record. I would love to know what else is coming up next for you. So some goals that you have, obviously, you know, self-publishing, knock on wood, 2022, it's going to happen. But other than that, what else uh, do you have coming up? Yeah, self-publishing the collection that I have now is one of the biggest goals. Uh, but then on the traditional publishing side, one of the publishers that I really enjoy um, and is actually local here in Vancouver, they're opening up for poetry submissions uh, in a month or so. So I am scrambling to just put together a second manuscript that I can submit and try my hand at the traditional publishing process as well. So that's... Um, those two manuscripts, self-published or traditionally published, those are two big goals. Uh, another thing I'd love to do is get back into the digital art side of things and spend more time on my iPad putting together some art and uh, some visual pieces. And then just trying to share my work on a, a more regular basis. Uh, sometimes it's a very sporadic schedule of when I share, uh, but I'd like to post more on my Instagram, uh, and then also submit my poetry to more magazines and more contests as well. Those are some awesome goals. What about your outdoorsy stuff? You got any big hikes or mountains you want to climb? Uh, always. <laughs> the list is never ending. Next year, I would love to summit uh, Golden Ears. I'd love to do an overnight hike to the top of Golden Ears in Maple Ridge. Um, I'd also really like to 
try the West Coast Trail or the North Coast Trail on Vancouver Island next year. Um, I did the Juan de Fuca, which is also on the island. I did the Juan de Fuca this summer. So the West Coast or the North Coast Trail just kind of feels like the next step. And then in climbing, I honestly, I just want to climb outside as much as possible next year and just really take advantage of the summer, especially when we are surrounded by all the rain that we have right now. Our final question, which is our check-in question that we ask everybody is, what would you say to your 12-year-old self? I had to think about this question so much uh, because it's really interesting. And I think about 12-year-old Robin and everything she was going through and all of the insecurities that she had. Um, and what I, what I came down to is that I would tell 12-year-old Robin, you are capable of your big dreams. Because I think I felt so many times that I had these big lofty dreams, but only other people could achieve things like that. Um, I would see people with books published or uh, going on big hikes. And I would think that, oh, you know, they're special. They can do that because they're different or I don't know, like they just got lucky or something like that. And I would want to understand earlier in life that I'm capable of those same things too. Everyone's capable capable of those same things. I think it's just, maybe not just a matter of, but breaking down your big dreams into smaller steps and smaller actionable goals is so, so helpful. Um, so I, yeah, I would tell, I would tell 12 year old Robin, you're capable of your big dreams. Just break down those big dreams into smaller actionable steps. And then be consistent with it. Just kind of follow through on all those little steps. And bit by bit, that's how those big dreams happen. Amazing. Such good advice. Now, Robin, would you care to read one of your poems and share with us? Yeah, I would love to. I'll share a poem that I wrote um, just a couple of years ago, but it came from a tweet that I saw online and some of the phrasing in the tweet included the term catastrophe and grace. And that just really stuck with me. So uh, I ended up writing a poem using that term. And of course I titled the poem, Catastrophe and Grace. I was stuck at my dining room table while you were boarding a plane to Amsterdam, a string of catastrophe and grace tangled between us. I tilt my mug, study the tea leaves at the bottom, but they look an awful lot like the dredges of our last conversation. I hope you know, as you board the plane, step off in Amsterdam, settle into your unfamiliar room, explore the city, eventually grow restless, board the plane to somewhere new only weeks later, that I will always welcome another conversation will always welcome you home. I will hold on until we are more grace than catastrophe. That's beautiful. <laughs> snapping. Thank you. Snapping. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to read more of Robin's awesome poetry or see her art, you can check her out at what's your Instagram? Robin Petrick. Uh, and then I also have my website, robinpetrick.com. And uh, that's just R-O-B-Y-N-P-E-T-R-I-K. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us. And I'm so glad we successfully pulled off round two. 
no interruptions. We're all good. <laughs> all right. Well, you can check out Big Sisters at www.bigsisters.bc.ca. And our Instagram is Ignite Her Podcast. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.